Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Last Sunday we started a uh, brand new sermon theme, sermon series, for, take us through the fall. Uh, last week we talked about how we're better together. We are. We, we, we need one another is the idea behind that. We're better together because Jesus is the head of his church, amen? We're better together because others are valuable. I need you in my life and you need me in your life. And we're better together because I am valuable. You are valuable. We are purposefully a multi-generational church. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's three separate generations there that we, wor- we worship together. And the idea is that we need the previous generation, the, the generation ahead of us, we need our generation, we need the generation behind us. That's, that's the way God designed things to work. That's the way he designed relationship with him to work. And we looked at Old Testament and New Testament to see how that's there. Because no generation can successfully disciple themselves. Oh, that was way better than you amen that. No generation can successfully or has ever successfully discipled themselves. Jesus started it and he's the son of God. And he discipled the disciples who then in turn, the next generation, and it just keeps going and has perpetuated itself ever since. So we're purposefully a multi-generational church because we need one another. And today we're going to talk about how we're stronger together. Now, last week we hinted at this, but today we want to explore it fully. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says that if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Amen? It's not. If we come together as touching and agreeing, if two or more come together as touching and agreeing, whatsoever you ask, it will be done for you is what Scripture teaches. So together, we, we can do more than just make it. Any of you ever felt like you were just making it? Like all, all you could do by the end of the day was feel like you had comp, uh, conquered that day and that was it, and that was enough for then, right? So, some of us, maybe we're living in that season right now where we're just barely making it. We're barely making it health-wise. We're barely making it financially. We're barely making it. But together, we can do more than that. Together, we can defend one another. Have you ever felt like you didn't have a friend on your side? There was nobody in your corner? Anybody ever had that moment? And that has got to be the worst feeling in the world. But when you're together, you're not that way. You're not alone. There's a reason why in the military they say that there's no, uh, there, there are no friends like foxhole friends. There's no other buddies like that. Why? Because when you're in the foxhole together, you've shared some stories. You've shared some experiences. We've got to be in this together to protect one another, to defend one another, to support one another. We've got to be together if we're going to comfort and protect and fight for and bring healing to one another. You know, sometimes some things just don't happen until you get together with your friends or your family, right? There are some things that are just made better by being there. About 10 years ago, maybe 10 years ago this next uh, 2018, when Rachel and I had lost our job, uh, we'd been called in and said, you're no longer going to be the youth pastor here. And we walked through that whole process. And if you want to hear that story again later, we'll tell you no problem. Here we had been faithfully serving. The youth ministry is doing really well. It was time for a change. And God honored us, honored the church, honored everybody through that. It was no, no problem. We went through it. God saw us through. But I can remember looking at Rachel and saying, this weekend, I don't want to stay here. I just want to go to my mom and dad's. 
Never been through that. I had never walked through a job loss. I had never walked through anything like that at all. And I just wanted to be around my family. Because sometimes when you're together, it's not about that I needed them to say anything. I just needed to be there. I just needed to be together because there was some strength that was drawn from them because we were together. So today, that's the idea that we're going to explore. We've got to be together so that we can be stronger. Being stronger together helps us in so many other ways. Now, our text for this whole series, this whole theme, it's found in Ephesians, and it shows us some really interesting things. Um, and it's important, that I think, enough that we look at it again. This time we're going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It's Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. It says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Notice there in verse 16, it says, as each part. In other words, we all have a role to play. There was about one amen on this side. Let me try it again on this side. We all have a part to play. It's important that we grasp that idea that we all have an important role. We all have a part to play in this. There's something that we bring to the table that we need, each of us need in order for us to gain the strength needed to accomplish the task. I need you, you need me. I'm stronger because of you. You're stronger because of me. It goes on and says that as each part does its role, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole is healthy and full of love. Well, if the hole's going to be healthy and full of love, that means the roots have got to go down deep, amen? If we're really going to get where God wants us to go, we have to allow our roots to grow deep so we can in turn grow tall and strong. Other people help us grow because we're connected to them. It never fails. There are certain people in our lives, we get around them, and it causes something to be churned inside of us so that we grow and become more of what God has for us. Deeper roots and growth mean a stronger foundation. So today, we're going to start by our, our, our points. I like alliteration. I like it for each of the points to start with the same letter. It makes it easy to remember, okay? Uh, today, it's not quite going to be that same. Instead, we're going to borrow an acronym. How many of you know that the Department of Public Safety is a good place, right? They help us on our everyday basis. We're going to borrow those three letters. So now when you read somewhere where it's the Department of Public Safety, hopefully you'll remember this sermon more, okay? So our first point today, if we're, going to, if we're really going to, going to get this, we've got to start by looking at we're stronger together when our roots go down deeper. When our roots go down deeper. Now, I heard this story and I've shared this before. You know, in California, I love... The, the Bay Area. I love to go see the giant redwoods. Have any of you ever gone to see the giant redwood forest there in, in the California? It is amazing. You're talking trees that are three, four hundred feet tall. Some trees so big around that they've literally cut a tunnel through one of them that cars can drive through. I mean, just massive trees. Well, years and years ago, there was a developer that decided it would be a good idea to tear out some of these trees and build million dollar homes among them. What a view, right? You look out from your back porch and you see these giant redwood trees. It would be spectacular. So they did. They tore these trees out. They built these million-dollar homes. And everything was just fine until the severe storms began to roll in. And as they began to roll in with their high winds, 
these trees surrounding the area, these new homes, began to topple over and fall on these million-dollar homes. Researchers quickly, insurance companies began to fund uh, uh, lots of research to figure out what was causing this because they didn't want to pay the claims. As they got there, what they found is that the root system of these giant redwood trees are not traditional root systems. They don't go way down deep alone, but instead they go way down deep and spread out wide and far and intertwine with every other tree around them. So that when the storms come, for centuries as they had before, there's strength from the connection around them to help them stay standing in the storm today. In the same way, this is what Paul was saying, we've got to be connected to grow. We've got to be connected so that our growth spurs on someone else's and keeps them rooted and keeps them planted. You know, that's one of the reasons why we're big on this, the big team meeting tonight is because what we know and what we understand in the church is that if we can help you get connected and find a place to serve, you get connected with other people and you know what happens? You find a place and your roots begin to go down deep and begin to to spread out and begin to get interconnected. It's why it's important that we find a place to give back of ourselves, of our time, our talent, and our treasure so that there's something to give. That's what tonight is all about. It's so that we can become connected and begin to grow down deeper and grow wider together as a family. Now, Paul wasn't the only one to kind of illustrate this idea. Psalms originated part of it there in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it goes into great detail. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. Uh, that, that sounds pretty, uh, pretty normal, right, for today's society? To, uh, to follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers? That sure seems like what we see all around us. But the, the psalmist said, oh, the joys for those who don't do that. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like what? Trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in season, their leaves nether wither, and they prosper in all they do. That's what we want, right? We want to grow. We want to become strong. We want to prosper. We want things to go well in our lives. When we're connected with others and we're growing into Jesus, who is the head of the church, we become like this. Trees planted by streams of living water, by the riverbanks, growing strong, tall, and full of life. When we're, when we're growing, it's much easier to avoid and despise those sin areas and sin moments when we're growing. It's easier to avoid the crowd that leads to destruction when we're connected to others and we're growing deeper with Jesus. See, there's nothing normal about the New Testament life. There's nothing at all normal about it. There's nothing normal about the principles that are there. There's nothing normal that are about, about the pathway that they take. There's nothing normal. So why should our connections and our root system be the same as everybody else's around us? Our roots have to be spread out. Our roots have to go deeper so that we can stand the storms and tests and so we can help others in the process. When everyone around us is looking for the latest uh, 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 and the greatest tidbit of juicy gossip, they should know that it won't be coming from us, amen? They should know that because we understand that gossip is like pouring root killer on the roots of our not only our trees, but on everyone else's that we're connected with. It does its deepest work beginning with us and then spreads out. Don't allow that to, to, to linger there. They should know that when they start to tell that dirty joke, we're not going to listen. They should know that when they start talking about uh, the latest, greatest ooh-la-la moment, that none of that's going to make sense to us because we're different. There's something unique on the inside of us. 
Standing strong like a tree with deep, immovable roots is not something that's new and and all of a sudden become this Zen-like thing. In fact, it's as old as the book of Job, and I don't know if you know, but chronologically, when it was actually penned in the earliest copy that we have, Job was the first book written in, in Hebrew text. Not that it was the first, doesn't, but it was the one, it's the oldest book that we have. Job said this about himself in Job 29, 19, and 20. He said, For I am like a tree whose roots reach the water, whose branches are refreshed with the dew. New honors are constantly bestowed on me, and my strength is continually renewed. I mean, when I first read this, I thought, well, go ahead, Job. Get on down with your bad self. Right? I mean, that's a good thing to say about ourselves, right? Man, I'm like a tree. You know what? Things are good in my life, amen? Man, I have never had a greater moment than what I am living in right now. But that's not always the case. In fact, if you read this in Job's context, he said, I thought I would be able to say when I was dying, I have lived a long, good life. And I am like a, have been like a tree planted by the water. He thought he'd be able to say all that, but that's not always the case. The point is, wanting to be a tree that's firmly rooted and firmly planted so others can experience the stability that we offer is something that's been around a long time. It was something that was immortalized in recent cinema history in the movie Tombstone when Doc Holliday looked at Wyatt Earp and said, Why, Wyatt, you are an oak. You bunch of sinners who know that line. I mean, the minute I started that, you should have seen some of the smiles that cracked across some of your faces. Listen, wanting to be planted like a tree is a good thing. I want to have roots that go down deep. I want to be solid and stable for my family. I want to be solid and stable for my church. I want to be solid and stable for everyone whom I am in contact with. We all want to have solid friends. We all want to be that solid family member that others lean on when times are tough. Amen? The problem is to be that you have to have weathered a few storms in your life. You don't become a solid tree that everybody knows is going to make it no matter what unless you've been through it, amen? Until you have gone down the road, there is nothing that says that you have the ability to make it until you have a proven track record behind you that says, not only have I been there, but I've done that, and I got the t-shirt to prove it. We all want to be that, but we got to travel the road to get it. So let's let's, let's all kind of say, yeah, I I want to be that. I want to be that. But then when the storms come, don't cry out and say, oh, God, why'd you do this to me? Let's remember we wanted to be that solid oak tree. We wanted to be that one who could be counted on, that we could, we're going to have to go through it. Just because you've been tested doesn't mean you've been thrown out. You'll never know that you have faith until you've been in a fight. we got to stay the course. We've got to let our roots go down deep, deep. We've got to draw on those relationships around us so that when we are weak, we can find that they are strong. When we're lacking, we can find that, you know what, there's somebody there that's in it with us and they're going to see us through. So not only are we stronger when our roots go down deep, but we're also stronger when we purpose spiritual moments together. Purpose spiritual moments together. <clears throat> now, I can see the look on some of your faces. You're looking at me like every day, really? For real, preacher, you want us to purpose spiritual moments every day? I get it. Spiritual moments should just happen in our lives, right? After all, we are, we are 
spiritual people having a human experience on this earth, right? We are spiritual beings having a temporal experience here and now. So spiritual experiences should just be occurring in our lives. But we also need moments when we purpose spiritual moments of exchange with others in the faith. What, what does that mean? That means I need to have moments when I stop and I, I put what God wants in my life first because let's face it, not every day do we do that. I, I know some of us are super spiritual. Uh, wait, wait, I know some of you are super spiritual. And every day you got it. But you know what? There's a lot of times when we go, oh, man. You know, today would have been a, you know what? I should have got up and done this or that today. But you know what? The fact is you didn't get out of that lazy boy all day. Here I'm telling on myself about yesterday. Sometimes we just need these moments, right? We need to prioritize and purpose to have them. It's easy to say, read your Bible every day. It's easy to say, pray every day. It's easy to say, share the love of Jesus with someone every day. And those are really important aspects. But you know what? Sometimes it takes a little bit more than that. Sometimes it takes getting around somebody who will kick you in the pants when you need it. We all have those moments. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, boy, you are out of line. You are in left field. You're crazy. You, you have lost your mind. You've missed the boat. Well, let's look at what Scripture says. In, in Acts, because see, I, I see some of you are going, eh, yeah, no way, preacher. Uh, well, let's see what Acts says. Acts chapter 2, when the church began, it says they worshiped together at the temple each day. Let me, let me read this in a modern um, Travis Jenkins uh, 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 nearly inspired version. They came to church every day. I didn't say anything else. I'm just going to let it soak in a second. Because they came to church every day and we just asked you to come on Sunday and Wednesday nights, but that's a different story. It goes on and says, I'm going to move on before I, somebody starts throwing tomatoes or something. It says, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They purposed spiritual moments every day. Not, not just coming to church, that's great, but then they got together in their homes and said, you know what, let's share and let's, have, let's continue this on. Uh, listen, I'm not advocating that you need to have a home group every day, that you need to have a Bible study with a different group every single day, but what I am advocating is that we need one another and we need to purpose some of these moments together so that we can grow. Hebrews went on, and we looked at this last week, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Encourage one another. We've got to be together. We're stronger when we're doing that. Romans 12, 10 says to show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know what is hard to do these days? I want to honor you. I want to show you brotherly love. Now, if we get too far out there in the brotherly love, you know, people start to get their feelings hurt because I tease my brother. Y'all heard me tease my brother. I like to tease him a little bit. It, we're, we're good like that. I was FaceTiming him last night. I bought my, uh, uh, Cade bought a Kindle. He's an avid reader. We bought him a little digital e-reader so he can get all these books that we've bought him online, read it, and they'll let him use that at school. It's great. 
And so we bought it for him, and I was having problems with it. I knew my brother had one, so I FaceTime him. I'm looking at him on the screen. He finally answers, and I don't say, hey, what's going on? I say, hey, ugly, what you doing? Right? Don't look at me like you don't do the same thing. It doesn't matter if your brother is a model. You're still going to call him ugly. Why? Because he's uglier than you. That's what we all think. Amen? I got Hayes sitting in my lap. Hey, ugly, what you doing? Hayes looks at me, looks back at the screen, says, hey, ugly. (laughs) Will just looked at me. I said, like father, like son, right? Hey, I need you to help me fix this. It won't connect. We're talking through it. He says, let me call you back. I said, no, you will talk to me right now. I am at a football game watching TJ play. I don't care. Do you get away with talking to anybody else like that? No, your brother. Here's the deal. If you're close in family, you can say some things and get away with it. We've got to be willing and able to get down to that point to where we can get there. We've got to have brotherly love. Brotherly love and affection for them and outdoing one another, showing them, showing honor. I want you to know I want the very best for you. I may prod and poke you a little bit along the way, but it's because I want God's best in your life. Romans goes on in chapter 14, verse 13, and says, therefore, let us no longer criticize one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or a pitfall in your brother's way. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to find faults with people. We talked about this last week. Let's make it a point that we're not going to do that. Romans 14, 19, so then we must, what? Pursue. Pursue what promotes peace and builds up one another. We've got to pursue that. It's not easy. We've got to pursue that. Peace comes at a price. We've got to be willing to pursue that. So that we can build up one another. And 2 Corinthians 13 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another and be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. We have to purpose spiritual moments. We've got to strive for that. We've got to make that a goal that we're going to have those with our brothers and sisters. We have to choose to do that. It doesn't just happen. You know, I... Now, for most of you on Sunday morning, every time Eugene walks in on Sunday morning, you know what I notice? That he got out of bed and good looking just jumped on him. That's what Zola said. I mean, he can't help it. He, it's just, he gets out of bed and good looking is just there. For the rest of us, it's work. For the rest of us, you know, it doesn't quite come so easy. Neither do spiritual moments. It takes consistency. It takes purposing them. You know what I have found to be the hardest thing in the world to do? To work out. You know why? Because I don't care. You know what happens to come really easy to me? Eating Mexican food. You know why? Because I care. Listen, having spiritual intense moments where we purpose to have that comes at a price. There has to be a sacrifice somewhere along the way, but we've got to do it. So what does it look like to purpose a spiritual moment? It's a really good question I want to answer for you. Maybe it's a spiritual conversation with a brother or sister that pushes us to grow or provokes us to do the right thing. 
I don't really want to do that. Yes, you do, and here's why you want to do that. And someone pushes your buttons and provokes you to grow. Someone provokes you to do the right thing even though you don't want to. Maybe it's a moment of accountability. I believe in accountability. We live with accountability. It's important to have. Maybe it's a moment of accountability where that person looks back at you and says, you know what? The problem isn't them. The problem is you. Ooh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Listen, we need those moments to grow. If we're going to grow, we have to purpose this. Maybe, maybe it looks like this. Maybe it's, it's choosing to go on a prayer walk around our neighborhood and praying for the neighbor that drives us crazy. Maybe the same thing applies at our job. We're going to go on a prayer walk around the office. You know what? We're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray. And we're going to get there a little bit early and we're going to go to that, uh, that co-worker that drives us nuts. And we're going to put our hands on their chair and we're going to pray extra hard for them. And before we sit down, we better have prayed just as hard for our chair as well. Every Tuesday morning, I come in, I find Pastor Josh, and I purpose to tell him about Jesus. One of these days, he's going to get saved. One of these days, Cecily, his day's coming. It's going to be on Tuesday morning, too. You watch. I do the same thing with Tina on, on Wednesday morning. I purpose to tell her about Jesus, so maybe she'll get saved, too. By Thursday, I'm just all spent. Sorry, Jamie, you're never going to get a chance. Listen, we all have to have these moments where we purpose the spiritual side, where we purpose to do more than just, okay, I've punched the clock. I'm, I'm good at that. Can we all just be honest for a moment and say, I'm good at that? I'm good at being a little bit of a Pharisee where I've, I've done my checkbox. Okay, Lord, I prayed over my cereal this morning. Please help it not to stick to my thighs. A little bit more than that. Okay, Lord, I, I, oh, come on, don't tell me like y'all don't do that. Uh, Lord, I've I read the Bible and it says that if I lie offended thee to kick it out, I'm going to have a really good game of golf today. No, no, not like that. But purpose to have just a little bit more of an intense moment where we say I'm going to do something beyond what I naturally do. If our roots are going to go deeper, we've got to purpose spiritual growth. We have to purpose these spiritual moments or we're not going to see the growth God has in store for us. Here's the thing, putting down deeper roots and purposing spiritual moments are two great ways to be stronger together. You know, when we have these spiritual moments, there have been plenty of times that Ted has come up like during the week on, on, a, on a weekday morning and we've sat and we've visited and we, I walk away from those moments stronger because we've connected on a deeper level. Same thing with Marvin, at times at lunch, uh, this last time we had lunch, what was that place, Marvin, we had that burger at? Um, Holly's. Right, the the din driver dining in diner, Holly's diner, is that right? What's it called? Sherry's. Thank you. I couldn't remember. See, thank God for your memory because mine's gone. So we're sitting there, we're having lunch. We ordered a burger. Uh, we both had a burger. I ordered some onion rings. Marvin didn't have any of the onion rings. I don't know why he wanted to leave so fast when we were done. He didn't have an onion. I'm the one. Never mind. So. We have this great meal, but you know what more importantly we had? Connection, fellowship. We grew together. Something happens when we purpose these spiritual moments. We need them. You and I need them. But the third part and the not so easy part of the, of the Department of Public Safety, the deeper and spiritual moments that we purpose, is to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. 
How many of you have ever had someone say this phrase to you? And I want you to raise your hand high if you've ever had this phrase said to you. Can I be brutally honest? They weren't necessarily honest as much as they were brutal, right? Listen, nobody likes to be brutalized. How about we drop that off completely of our discussion from now on as believers, amen? Because nobody wants to be brutalized. Let's speak the truth in love. Paul said it this way, Ephesians 4.15, we read this earlier. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. I have to grow and become more like Christ, but to do that, I have to speak the truth in love. There are times I need somebody to look at me and say, you're wrong. One of the most important things we can learn to do is to speak the truth in love. It's necessary. When our kids are young, we make sure that we teach them that there's no place for lying, correct? You make sure every time your kids lie, they get in trouble. Our kids know the worst punishment you will ever get in our family is for lying. We don't abide a lying tongue in our household. We've got to teach them and not even deceit. Why? Because a half truth is still a whole lie. Tell the truth. Speak the truth in love. Sometimes as adults, we kind of get past this idea and we think, eh, I don't need to tell you the whole truth. I'm just going to tell you the part I like. We've got to speak the truth in love. We've got to learn to do that. When I was, I've told you this story recently when Rachel and I were in praise song together in high school where we met and she fell madly in love with me. If you don't believe that to be the truth, just ask her after service, is it true? And she'll nod her head yes. And if she nods her head no, just remind her that we don't abide a lying tongue in our household, okay? <laughs> so here, here we are, we're in this praise song and Pastor Paul Vido would come in during training camp and <laughs> she said, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> we don't abide a lying tongue in our house. So we were in praise song. <laughs> when we were in praise song, Pastor Paul would come in and he would make us do this craziest thing because we stayed in homes after these services when we traveled on this tour, and he would come in and he would bring the most God-awful food you can imagine. Pickled pig's feet, dry squid. I mean, just net. If you don't grow up eating it, you ain't ever going to want to try it kind of stuff, right? Um, it just, it's, uh, and like, if you like it, that's fine. No problem. Knock yourself out. You, you can have all my pickled pig's feet for my lifetime, okay? Help yourself. Here's the deal, though. So here, here we go. We, we, we come in, and he would say, we're going to try this, and remember when it's all said and done, you have to not have a grimace on your face when you eat it. You have to say something kind and something positive, or something positive and something truthful after you eat it. Okay, great. I'm going to try, right? So you would take a bite of this, choke it down, right? <clears throat> Do everything you can to try to keep a smile on your face and come up with something positive and truthful. Wow, I have never tasted anything quite like that in my life. Right? <laughs> no, I don't know. Y'all know it's coming next, right? So why, why, why is it that as mature believers in Christ, we lose the ability to do that? 
When was the last time that we considered somebody and wanted to outdo them in honor and, and with love? And we held it together and said something positive and truthful instead of digging deep and cutting hard because I needed to tell you brutally, honestly, the truth. I digress. So how do we speak the truth in love? How do we do that? How do we speak the truth in love to help us be stronger together? We most of the time don't have a problem telling the truth to those around us. I don't have a problem telling Rachel the truth. I don't have a problem telling Josh the truth. Here's where we're at. Here's what we have to do. But how do we do that in love when maybe it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world? Well, maybe when we speak the truth in love about what's happening in our lives and in our city and in our nation, we're stronger together. How about when we speak the truth in love against the nonsense of white supremacy, then we're stronger together. Can I just say this to those of you who are fellow white people? Your silence is not optional in the nonsense we've got going on today. There is no race superior, no skin color superior to any other skin color, amen? May, may no one ever attend this church and be a part of this family that ever feels that way without finding repentance at an altar. Our silence is not an option. We have to be willing to say, you know what? That's nonsense. I don't care who you voted for. That's nonsense. It's not about whether or not the president did or said anything. This is the deal, folks. We have a sin issue. Let's pray that God would bring about another great awakening. When we speak the truth in love, we're stronger together. When we speak the truth in love against the ridiculous posture of our nation's immigration process, we are stronger together. That's, that's a harder one for some of us to amen loudly. Maybe it's because we don't realize that our Spanish pastors, Kenny and Alfredo, have been working through the immigration process for nearly 15 years to become legal citizens. So the next time you think, oh, well, you know, if we could just close off the border faster and quit allowing all these illegal Hispanics to come in, then maybe that would fix it all. When we don't understand the entire process, we need to stop, dial it back, and speak the truth in love. That regardless of your immigration status, you're my brother and you're my sister, and one day we're going to worship the Lord in heaven. When we speak the truth together in love, when we speak the truth together in love about the status of our inner city education problems, we're stronger. We're stronger. Let me tell you a story, and I know I've got to hurry, but let me tell you a story. This last year, when we were working on the 10-year anniversary video that we showed in June, when Jason, the, the videographer, and I were meeting with Mrs. Macias at Van Buren Elementary, she told us the most amazing statistical story that of all of the schools in our area, they're one of the only non-F-rated schools. The year before we got involved, they were an F-rated school. Since we've been investing little by little, investing into those kids' education process and making a difference, guess what? Their grades, their test scores, their attendance has gone up and up and up. Amen. 
Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. Sometimes, sometimes family, a difference is made whether we see it or not. We're helping those kids to have a better future. They know that the church does it. They know we're the ones that do it. It's the rule at McDonald's. One day they're going to get their parents to bring them here, and one day we're going to see more of them come in, amen? But until then, we're going to keep sowing the seeds. When we speak the truth in love together about the moral climate of our country and the desperate need for another great awakening, we are stronger. Why? Because we did it together. Because it takes more than one of us putting the whole process together. You see, speaking the truth in love isn't just about posturing of what we're against and what we're for. By the way, the church should be known more so what we're for than what we're against because we've got it all figured out. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? We've got it figured out that the only thing that brings us together at the core of it is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? We've got it figured out that we're all different, and yet because of Jesus, we are all the same. One family, one blood, one love. Amen? Speaking the truth in love means we've got to tell each other the truth, but do so lovingly. Here's why. Because Galatians 6.2 says to carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. You know what we can't carry? What we don't know needs help. You will never become what you need, or you'll never uh, reach for what you need until you know what you are not. You'll never reach for what you need until you know what you're not. Let me give you a good illustration of how this works. A couple of weeks ago, my, my dear friend Robbie and I were together for lunch, and I was kind of belly aching about some changes that had been made at our Assemblies of God district office and some policy and procedure things that had changed. And I was asking him, do you think this is right? And I've got my whole argument put together and I'm asking, da, 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 you know, I'm going down my list. And Robbie looks at me and he goes, Trav, let me be really honest with you. Does it matter? That was not factored into my argument. The next statement is what got me. If it doesn't matter, why are you spending so much emotional energy on something that doesn't matter? Friends, speaking the truth in love may mean that somebody needs to tell you, does it really matter? Is that going to change anything in your life at 4019 South Penn in the church? Is that really going to change anything in your life? Why are you spending so much emotional energy on it? Let it go. You need to sing that silly little song from Frozen that I've finally gotten out of my head and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but you need to sing it and say, let it go. We need people honestly to come alongside of us, stake themselves next to us and say, I'm with you in this, but you gotta let this go. That's a burden you were never meant to carry, baby. That's something you gotta let go. That's a part of the process that needs to go. It is old dead weight. Why are you hanging on to it? I heard a story that seems really fitting today because as much as you need somebody to stake themselves next to you and say, let it go, sometimes that person that's in your life speaking the truth to you needs to hang on. And friends, let me tell you, as I get ready to share this story, if this is you, you need to hang on to that loved one that's going through hell. If you've got a loved one that's really going through it, you need to hang on and don't ever let go. 
The story goes like this. There was a little boy in South Florida that one day couldn't wait. He had finished his family chores and he goes out and decides he's going to go swimming in the swimming hole out back behind their house. As he makes his way out to the dock, he leaves a trail of his clothes as he makes his way into that pond buck naked. Dad's mowing the yard. He's done. Dad looks up just in time to see his son swimming to the middle of the pond as the gator is swimming from the shore on the opposite side. Frantically yelling and screaming and crying out, trying to get his son's attention when he finally does and he realizes the fever pitch of his father's screaming, he turns and begins to make his way back to the dock. As the father reaches the dock and reaches to grab the boy's hand, so does the gator. And the gator gets the boy's leg. There ensues one of the greatest games of tug and war that tug of war that was ever played. Father wouldn't let go, a son screaming in pain, and a farmer drives by. The farmer gets out of his truck, hearing the screams, grabs the rifle out of the back window and takes aim. Shoots the gator and kills it, causing it to let go of the boy's leg. And they rush him to the doctor, to the hospital. He spends weeks and weeks and weeks in the hospital. And miraculously, the boy lives. To no surprise to anyone, the newspapers wanted a story. So the newspaper comes out and they're getting the story from the dad and the newspaper reporter says, son, will you show me your scars? And he says, sure, mister. Rolls up his pant leg and shows him the scars. And then with a great sense of pride, this young man looks at him and says, but mister, I've got some pretty amazing scars here too because my daddy wouldn't let go. Friends, some of you today, we're stronger together. Some of us need to commit to going deeper in our roots. And would to God that we would be those people. Some of us, man, we we need to, to, to be more mindful and purposing spiritual moments together with others so that we'll be stronger and they will too. But some of us, and we need to speak the truth in love. Sometimes that means that we're gonna help them let go. But sometimes that means in that process, we're going to hang on for dear life so we don't lose them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you would say, Pastor, man, today you hit home. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I have wandered away from him, and today I want to return to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've allowed sin in my heart, but today I want to confess that sin. So there is not poison, root killer being poured all over the roots of my spiritual journey. Man, if that's you, would you slip up a hand? Okay. Who else? Um, Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Here's where the rubber meets the road for most of us. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I just need somebody to come alongside me. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I need to know that somebody's standing with me. I need to know that when the storm rages on, that my roots are connected to somebody else's and that they're going to be with me through it. If that's you, would you slip up a hand? All right, who else? All right. Who else? All right. Come on, anybody else? All right. 
Now, here's what we're going to do. Worship team, they're going to they're gonna sing a song, and they're, they're going to they're gonna sing this song one more time. It's, oh, come to the altar. And as they do, our, our prayer team and our elders are going to come. They're going to make their way. And what we want you to do is if you, the Lord really is dealing with your heart, we want to agree with you. That's what this is all about. But you know what? Maybe someone across the room has caught your heart and caught your attention. And you're saying, I need to pray with that person or I need that person to agree with me. I just need them to know. Because sometimes it's not about necessarily making your way down around a bench down here, but there's an altar experience that happens in a seat back there. Because we get connected with somebody else, amen? And so if everyone would please stand all across the room, go ahead and stand right where you're at. Our elders and prayer team, they're going to make their way down. I really believe that in some of our lives, we're going to see some amazing breakthrough happen right here. If you'll let it. Because we're stronger together. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And so as we do, and as people come, and as they respond, as they sing, we want you to come and we want you to experience the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you raised your hand for anything, or you should have, or you just need somebody to pray with you, get out of your seat and make your way down. Let us agree with you in prayer today.